two passages of Scripture as our primary focus of text. We'll look at some more passages as we get going this morning, but we're in, this, we're in the, um, a, a journey of looking at the life of Joseph and Joseph's family, and we are going to wrap up at least the, the breadth of this passage of Scripture this morning. Christopher is going to come back a couple of weeks from now and go back to a specific story that we skipped, and he's going to share on that. But I wanted to, to wrap up the, the, the breadth of this, this story in the last chapter of Genesis 50. This is Joseph. When he says, don't be afraid of me, he's talking to his brothers who now Jacob has died, their father, their patriarch. And if you remember the story, they've done some bad things to Joseph. And even though Joseph has blessed them, they're still wondering, with dad gone, is he going to take care of us or is he going to turn on us? And so Joseph responds in this way to his brothers after his father's death. Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I could punish you? You, in, you intended harm to me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he, re, he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Isn't that awesome? Now let's jump to the New Testament and look at this, this theme that we're going to look at today, which is God's blessing. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Amen? Amen. Father, we just pray right now as we enter to this, in, into this time of listening to your word and responding to the living word that we would receive and understand the fullness of your blessing in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you have a seat? Well, I had an interesting, um, interesting is the wrong word. I had a wonderful time this week. I was in Kansas City um, hanging out with some, of, uh, some lead pastors of churches within our movement for about three days. And on the, at the same time, what was going on in Kansas City was the beginning of preparation for a massive event that happened yesterday at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City called The Send. And um, invitations were sent out to the nation and the world for specifically young people in their teenage, high school, college, young adult years to um, descend upon... Um, Arrowhead Stadium yesterday, they were expecting up over 50,000 people to arrive to hear about the Word of God and to be commissioned to be sent out as missionaries to the nations. So I haven't heard the, uh, the full report of what happened yesterday, but I was on a live stream feed and there was some excited people in Arrowhead Stadium yesterday just loving Jesus, worshiping Jesus, and responding to the call of God. Well, in the middle of that, there were prayer tents set up for the days ahead of time just to pray and intercede for the event itself, but also for the, the outcome of the event in regards to the gospel being proclaimed to the four corners of the world. And during one of the afternoons, the pastors that I was with, we decided we were going to go over to one of the, the prayer tents. And so we go over to one of the prayer tents, and Antioch was one of our, our the organization this church is a part of called Antioch was one of, the, one of the sponsors for this, this event in Kansas City. And so we went to the Antioch tent. There was like six or seven tents, and we walked in, and I, um, 
It was hot in Kansas City. It was humid. I was tired. I wasn't sleeping well. And to be honest with you, I wasn't prepared to be in that tent with wood chips and heat and wind and no energy to worship God. I, I physically and emotionally was not prepared. Derek, you snuck in on me, bro. I guess look at you. It's good. I mean, I love you. We haven't seen time. You're in your traditional spot. I'm sorry. That just blessed me. It's good to see you. Um, anyway, okay, back to the story. And um, so I walk in and I look up and there's a young, a, a young team leading worship. And in the front and center of the team leading worship is my daughter, Annie. And I'm like, are you kidding me, Lord? This is so awesome. I still didn't have any energy. But I was so blessed to see my daughter up there. And so we enter into praise. It's a two-hour event. I'm like, oh, man, Lord, I've got to have, you know, I'm not ready. Help me. Help me. And so in the middle of it, as I begin to pray, I realize, you know, just that something stirred in my heart. Sean, if you want more of me, I have more for you. It's just a simple prayer, a simple invitation, actually. God was saying, if you want more, if you want to be blessed today, then just position yourself to be blessed. And when I made that prayer, or when I, I acknowledged that invitation from the Lord and said, God, I don't have anything in me, but... I'll take whatever you have. I begin to just open my heart up to the Lord, and God's Spirit touched me. Now, at the same time, this, the team up in the front is doing what we call TWI worship and prayer, which means Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving worship and intercession. And at that moment, my daughter, they had just read the passage out of Revelations about the angels and the elders bowing down in the presence of the Lord, and, they, and then Annie starts to sing those words. I'm going to start getting touched by God right now. And she starts singing, and the angels and the elders will bow down and worship. And she just begins to sing. And at that moment, as I'm feeling the presence of the Lord, it hits me. I'm an elder. I'm an elder in this church. I'm not the elders. I'm not those elders necessarily, but I'm an elder in this church. And as I began to respond to the Lord, I just said, Lord, I want to worship you. And I fell down on the wood chips. I still have imprints on my, my bare legs and knees from those wood chips. And began to worship in the presence of the Lord. The Lord just overwhelmed me. And I was touched. I was blessed. I share this story to say this. When Annie was born, God blessed us. But we also blessed her. We brought her into this world. We cared for her. We prayed over her. Starting about 10 years ago, I started a tradition with my kids where I started to pray specific words over them each year with accompanying scriptures. And these are the words that I've been praying over Annie for the last 10 years, that she would be a woman of integrity, she would be a worshiper, that she would, receive, she would display the unveiled, unveiled glory of God that she would dream with God, she'd be a vessel of God, that she'd be full of faith, that she would, she would center her, her attention on the majestic creator, being abandoned to him, noticed by him, and courageously in love with him. And when I looked up on that stage, but not necessarily looked up on that stage, when I was on the wood chips on the floor responding to the Lord, it's God reminded me, the prayers of blessing that you prayed over your daughter are leading you into a place of blessing today. The blessings of the Father 
were received as blessings from my daughter. I start off by saying this. God has blessings for us today. If we want to receive the invitation of the Father this morning, the invitation is there. He is saying to you, just like he said to me that, that afternoon, hot Kansas City afternoon, Sean, do you want a blessing from me? Do you want a revelation of who I am today? Yes, Lord, receive it. So, Father, would you, as we are responding to your word this morning, would you open up hearts and minds to receive the blessing of the Heavenly Father? Lord, through your servant, your messenger this morning, and by your spirit as you interact with each one of us in a unique way, may our hearts be open to receive your blessing. Blessing is about the goodness of God, not the goodness of man. Amen? Annie's awesome, but she's not the one that blessed me this week. Who blessed me was the God in Annie. The God who she gave space to live in. That God blessed me, and that God is here to bless us this morning. And not just this morning, but every moment of your lives. I want us to think about the story that we've been in in Genesis as we think about this. This morning as we gathered as a, as a team to worship, I mean, to, to worship and pray over this service. I, I don't know if you know this, but every Sunday morning, our, our servant team, the, the worship leaders, the people that greet you, whoever's able to make it on Sunday morning, we gather and we pray and we worship, ministering to one another if we have need, and then also praying for you. And every morning looks a little bit different on Sunday mornings. But this morning, we came, and as we gathered, God revealed to us our weakness, our need for Him. Our brokenness. As your worship leaders, you're like, wait a minute, our worship leaders have to be perfect. No, there's only one person who has to be perfect. And his name is Jesus. Just want to let you in on a little secret. Your, your leaders are not perfect. We, we struggle emotionally. We struggle physically. We struggle with vision. We struggle with hope. We are in this, this, this journey with you, sometimes seeing through glasses dimly, but soon face to face. We get encounters with the Lord. We forget the encounters with the Lord. We get more encounters with the Lord. We forget. Sometimes we disobey. I just want you to know there's sometimes your leaders sin and we have to repent. We come to the Lord in weakness and God through his goodness blesses us. Not because of what we have done or who we are, but because he's just a good God. Can I remind you of the story of Joseph? Let's just remember because our preachers have done a great job. A dysfunctional mess. Jacob, liar, deceiver. Since the time he was a kid. Showed favoritism of his sons. And yet Jacob, man of God, believer in the promises of God till the very end of his life. Can we, under, can we understand that? I can't understand that. Broken man, but who received 
Not once, but twice at the beginning of his life, and maybe three, three times actually, beginning, middle, and end of his life, words from the Lord that said, I'm going to bless you and your children and your children's children. Do you believe? And Jacob said, I believe. God didn't say, are you good enough for this inheritance? If he would have asked him that, Jacob would have said, no, I'm not. And God would have said, that's right. You're not good enough for my blessing, but my blessing still remains. Can you receive that in your own life? The faith of our lives is not about our goodness, but it's about the goodness of God. And in his goodness, we are blessed. Move on down to Joseph in our story. Joseph, somewhat prideful, somewhat arrogant. Amen? Exalted himself not only with, among his brothers, and he in the worldly sense, got the just fruits of his pride. Because <laughs> he had some bad brothers. Right? But how about his brothers? Just go ahead and go read the in-between stories of his brothers. Not great people, but sometimes do great things. Wonderful things. A mess of a family. But what did God say? God said, and we're going to look at it in a second, I want to bless you, Joseph. I want to bless you, brothers. I want to bless us through those brothers who were the seed. Go look at Judah's story. I think Christopher is going to pick this up in a couple of weeks. But go look at Judah's story. Not a great guy. But guess what came through Judah? Jesus! Hallelujah! God, thank you that even in the life of a Judah comes the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Okay, I'm going to get ahead of myself because some of that's in the rest of my message. I stop here to say, we all have stories of brokenness, but God has stories of blessing in our life. I heard a story recently in a pastor's life, and it goes like this. The pastor was a young man just recently saved, 18 years old. It's a call in the middle of the night. Right, not in the middle of the night, in the early evening, actually, from his girlfriend that, is, that her father has shot himself. He races over to his girlfriend's house. The father had taken a shotgun and put it underneath his chin and tried to kill himself. Family's hysterical. This young man is asked to come in and to bring peace and leadership to the family. They're freaking out. He tells the police officers what happened. The police officer said, it's time for you to grow up, young man. You need to go and clean up. You need to go clean up the mess and care for this family. So an 18-year-old organizes everything that's going on and then walks into the room where the father shot himself. The father had been whisked away in the ambulance. The father actually had not died. Blown off half his face, but lived. Come back to that in a second. And this young man cleans up the room, I won't go into detail, of that disaster. The crossroads of this story for this young man is just, just new in faith. Had it, was at a crossroads. Could have said, what in the world is going on? And could have spiraled out of control, unbelieving in God, in, the, in the, just the messiness of humanity. But did not. And in, ended up being somebody who has brought love and care and life to many people as a pastor, hoping in the goodness of the Lord. 
in the midst of a really tragic story. That man, in the midst of this young man's testimony in service to the family, comes back in a couple of years later, writes a letter to this young man who's now in college, a 10-page letter, thanking him for his service to the family, thanking him for being a part of saving his physical life, and thanking him for the spiritual life he has in Christ because of that journey. The man who tried to kill himself and whose family was fully dysfunctional is now a man of God, saved and set free and delivered from the demons that haunted him. We have broken lives, but we have a God who's good, who blesses us. Hmm. What's the common denominator of these broken men and women in our lives, including us? The common denominator is faith. Blessing in the Old Testament, 400 times in just the Pentateuch alone, 400 times blessings, blessing or bless is mentioned. And oftentimes the blessings of the Old Testament are founded, if there's a blessing that is to come on a person's life, it's accompanied by a condition. And the condition is this. Look at Psalm 24, verses 3. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship you and Worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. So now you're saying, okay, wait a minute. You said that there's, God works through weakness and it's not dependent on us. And now you read this passage of Scripture and it looks like that my heart has to be pure. What do we do with that? What we do with that is this. In our place of surrender to God, and now we're, we're just staying in the Old Testament for a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull this into the New Testament in a second. I'm going to pull this into yours and my life. In just a second. But in the Old Testament, the conditions of blessing were obedience and faith. Faith and obedience. Did you believe in the word and are you going to obey me? And if you didn't obey God, and these patriarchs and these men and women of God, they had journeys of blessing and they had blessings of uh, journeys of favor and not favor, depending on their response to God. The door was open always for them to respond through repentance and obey. And when they repented and obeyed, if you read the whole Old Testament, the journey of the Israelites was repentance, blessing, disobedience, bummer. Repentance, blessing. God would just continue to forgive and bless. And that's true of our God's character even today. But the condition was a right heart before the Lord. And when they were in that place of recognition and reception and repentance, and that's true for you and I, their response always was to worship and give thanks. Who can give thanks this morning for God's forgiveness and grace in your life? Amen? Don't forget to give worship and praise for how God has blessed you. And it says in Hebrews, as it's talking about those men and women of faith in the Old Testament, that their faith is what 
credited them as, as righteous. Romans talks about that for Abraham's faith. Hebrews 11 talks about that hall of faith or all these different people that walk by faith in God. In Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it says without faith, it's impossible to please God because we must first believe that he exists. Okay, I believe that you're real and that you reward those who what? Seek him. Now that's interesting, right? Because in the New Testament, it's not about conditions of of righteousness, now God's saying, if you'll just position yourself in faith and seek me, not that you have to be righteous because we know in the New Testament that the, that the requirements of the law that were set forth by Moses were not attainable. We can't do it. And the sacrifices that the priests made who themselves were sinful and who died, they did it over and over and over again, were temporary. But the blessings of Christ, who is our high priest, who is eternal, are forever. So that when he came, he broke the power of law, of sin and death, and the power of having to do something to earn God's favor, to have to be in right position. We now, by faith, as we seek God, can put our position in Christ and say, Christ Jesus, thank you that you died for me on the cross and gave me the opportunity to know God apart from my righteousness because I'm not good enough. Isn't that awesome? You can say amen. For all of you sinners in the room, say amen. For all of you righteous who have never said sin, say amen. Exactly. Amen. That might be true for you. I don't know. You might not have sinned yet. Probably not. Oh, I'm about to get excited this morning, and I'm not joking. This is so good. I came this morning to our team. I was like, man, I'm so excited about this. If we can receive the blessings of God. If we can take off that yoke of performance, that yoke of self-exaltation or self-work to try to earn God's blessing and position ourselves in the identity that he has given us, which is chosen by him as sons and daughters of the high king to receive the fatherly blessing. That's what he has for us. That's what he has for you. See, that's what he has for me. You can whisper it or you can shout it. That's what he has for me. Blessing this morning. Let's go back to Genesis. Just really quickly look at this. These blessings. The blessings of God through Genesis. Really quickly. Genesis 46. So we've got Jacob. I love this picture, Genesis 46. So Jacob is the patriarch. Joseph is his son. Jacob has found out that Joseph is alive, and he's moving his family to Goshen in Egypt to be fed by the land and to be protected by his son. So Jacob set out for Egypt with all his possessions, and when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him. Remember when I said that God had spoken to him and he responded by faith? God said, Jacob, Jacob. Jacob said, here I am. He says, I am God, the God of your father. The voice said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. So he received the promise 
And we're going to look at this at the end out of Hebrews. He received the promise that he was going to be blessed and covered even unto his death and beyond his death. He had faith beyond his death for God's blessing in his life. Now, Genesis, at the end of Genesis, I want you to see this picture. This is just beautiful to me. Now, Joseph realizes that Jacob's near. So Joseph, verse 29, prepared his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father, Jacob. And when Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and wept, holding him for a long time. I want you to see this picture because this is our picture. Joseph. The son of Jacob who has not seen his father, who is ripped from his father's side. You remember they had a good relationship. They loved one another. He hasn't seen him. He's been sent into exile. He's been in prison. He's been separated from his earthly father who he loves dearly. And now he's in charge. Now he is the ruler of the land. And his father comes to him and he meets his father in Goshen and he hugs him and the right relationship is restored. Not leader of Egypt to shepherd from Israel, but father of nations to his son of blessing. Position means nothing in the kingdom of God. What matters is the God of the universe is blessing you. We're going to see that in a second. But in this setting, the father Blessing his son. Restoring relationship. Jacob, J Joseph had everything, but what he didn't have was he didn't have connection, closure with his father. And he had not yet received his father's blessing. And he wept. You know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of Luke 15, the prodigal son. Reminds me of the picture when the prodigal in this story has lived his life. It's a little bit different because Joseph is in a good place at this moment. But in the story, the prodigal son is in a bad place and he wakes up in a pig pen and he realizes, I've wasted my father's possessions. I just want to be with my father. And so he goes home to be with his father. And when he comes home, it says the father saw him at a distance. And who ran in this story? The father. The father, I like to picture it in those days, hiked up his skirt, his robe. <laughs> and hugged his son. And I get the picture in that parable. They embraced for a long time with tears of joy. Do you know the intimacy of the father's blessing? When I was 22 years old, the prodigal story, through the message of a preacher called John Dawson, wrecked my life of coming into the awareness that that father up there loves me way more than my father down here understands how to do. And that hole in my life that I had with my earthly father completely was filled to overflowing with the revelation that I've got a father in heaven who loves me more than I can imagine and wants to bless me in significant ways. I've never since that day when I was 22 years old have lost the revelation of the kindness and the goodness of the Father to me. I've, I've had disappointments with myself. I've had disappointments with you. Not anybody in here, but you know, just the church in general. 
but I've never had any disappointments with God the Father because I know how good he is. May you, may you inherit that revelation of the goodness of your Father. Going on to Genesis 47, just a little note that I want to note here as we pass through quickly. Jacob is now in the presence of Pharaoh, the, the, the leader of the, the known world who now is in control of everything because he has all the food. He's the big honcho over Joseph, and Jacob comes into his presence, and, and he's about to give blessing for Jacob's family to live in the best part of Egypt and to raise their cattle and to live there. And what does Jacob do? This little lowly unknown shepherd to the Pharaoh king? Not once, but twice, Jacob blesses the Pharaoh. It should be noted in verse 7 and 10, Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Jacob again blessed Pharaoh before leaving the court. You know what this says to me? It does not matter how great authority you are in this world. The person who gives the blessing is the person of God. God himself through the person of God. But why, why do I say this? Because all of this is passing away, guys. Every kingdom is passing away. Every authority is passing away. We see it. Every person of influence is going to have their day where we all stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we say, you are God and I am not. And this lowly shepherd man who understood the God of the universe, who understood the blessing, took the place of authority in this meeting. It might not have been a footnote in Egypt, but it was recorded in the Bible that the one who got the ultimate blessing was the Pharaoh from Jacob. Isn't that interesting? Moving on. You can chew on that. Chapter 48. All of chapter 48, as we're moving towards the end, is Jacob taking, a, taking time to bless Joseph's sons. So they're separated, and we're going to see the blessing of all of Jacob's sons in chapter 49. But in chapter 48, Joseph brings his two sons, who Jacob has not met, Ephraim and Manasseh, to be blessed. And what does Jacob do? Instead of just praying a blessing, he says, I am conscripting them as my sons. So basically, when he blesses the 12 tribes, what we call the 12 tribes here, or the 12 sons, two of his sons are really his grandsons. So what does that mean? Joseph got a double blessing. Joseph got a double blessing because the sons, all of their inheritance, all their children are blessed. The son's blessing goes to his children. But Jacob, God, through Jacob, said, I want to give Joseph a double blessing. He got one-sixth of the inheritance through his line. Why is this significant? I think it's significant. This is my, my perspective. I think it's significant because I believe that Joseph, the Joseph story is a Christ story. I believe, I believe Joseph in the Old Testament represents Jesus to us. I believe that this picture of Joseph's life is a mirror in many ways of how Christ came. And I believe the double portion is synonymous in the Old Testament to 
the, unlimit, un, the limitless blessing of God. When you get double portion, you get uber blessed. It's like God saying, uh-huh. And when you get an uh-huh from God, woo, you're set. You don't just get a blessing, you get it exponentially. Well, how in the world do we get exponential blessing, ladies and gentlemen? Through Jesus. He's, and we're going to get there. So real quick, though, listen to this blessing. So first of all, remember Joseph's story, right? <clears throat> Actually, let's, before I go there, let's go to Joseph's blessing. So in chapter 49, he, he prophesies, Jacob prophesies over all of his sons, and this is what he says to Joseph. He says, Joseph, <laughs> I think this is really funny, and it's actually very, it's, it's, it's humble. And it, um, it, or if, as as jo- Jacob is saying it, if he realizes what he's saying, Joseph is the foal of a wild donkey. Who's the wild donkey in Joseph's story? Jacob. <laughs> Joseph is the foal of a wild donkey. The foal of a wild donkey at a spring, one of the wild donkeys on the ridge. Archers attacked him savagely, now speaking about Joseph. They shot at him and harassed him, but his bow remained taut, and his arms were strengthened by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the shepherd, the rock of Israel. Then he goes and he prays, "May, may the God of your father help you. May the Almighty bless you with the blessings of the heavens above and the blessings of the watery depths below and the blessings of the breasts and womb. May the blessings of your Father surpass the blessings of the ancient mountains reaching to the heights of the eternal hills. Eternity. May these blessings rest on the head of Joseph who is the prince among his brothers. What was Joseph's story? Loved by God early on in his life, prophesied over that he would be a deliverer for his family, rejected and despised by his brothers, but not forsaken by God, shepherded by the God Most High until a pointed time where he could be revealed in his calling to bring salvation, literally, from death from his family dying by starvation to bring deliverance to them so that they might live. But not only in Egypt for a short time, but so that the seed of, God's, of Abraham, the, of God's blessing, would be fulfilled, his promise fulfilled unto Jesus and to the end of time. Amen? That's Joseph. But how much more is it Jesus? And that's where we'll conclude this morning. Isaiah 53 says this about Jesus. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. 
It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Here's Joseph magnified in Jesus, in the story of Jesus, who came not as a normal human being like Joseph, but a perfect man. And yet all of these things happened to Jesus for one purpose, that he might find himself on a cross, stricken by God, dealt a death blow by God and man so that he might redeem us from our sins. That's our Jesus. He's our Redeemer. He's our High Priest who has saved us. So lastly, look over to Hebrews 8, or Hebrews, and I just want to paint a picture of Jesus and who he is for you, and then we'll conclude. We're going to go actually backward in these three passages. Hebrews 7, and then Hebrews 5, and then we'll finish at Hebrews 4. Hebrews talks about Jesus as this high priest. Remember the priest who would go, who would represent the people of God in the Old Testament, who would be the one who, who offered the sacrifices. Once a year, a high priest would go into the Holy of Holies where God's presence was and offer the sacrifice, the once a year sacrifice for the atonement of sins. To, to in a sense, um, temporarily, symbolically open up the way of relationship with God and man. To be the go-between, to be the intermediary between God and those who worshiped God. This would be the priestly role, and then there would be the high priest who would do that once a year act. Hebrews 7 says this, There were many priests, verse 23, under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to say, those who come to God through him, he lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. How awesome is that? Your high priest right now is interceding for you in your trial. Your high priest Jesus is not unaware of what you're going through, but in those most hidden places of your hopelessness or your discouragement or even your struggle with sin, he is interceding for you and me. That's so beautiful. I didn't even understand it. He, he is the kind of high priest we need because he's holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners like you and me and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath and his son has been made the perfect high priest forever. Going back... Hebrews 5, 7 says this, when Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings. With a, now he, he's in his human body. So he's got this humanness and this 
godness going on at the same time. He offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Can I just, I just want you to see one thing, because this is important in our own suffering. Jesus suffered. And he suffered in a human way to the point where he was emotional about it. God, save me! I'm about to die! Don't you understand what I'm going through? God, save me! That's what's happening here. And it said that God heard him. So God was not deaf to his cry. He heard Jesus. We remember in the garden where Jesus was having those cries, right? And at the end of Jesus' prayer, he said, God, would you save me? But not my will, but yours be done. Will you take this cup of suffering from me? This passage says God heard him. He heard him in the garden. He heard him in the place of suffering. He heard him in the place of temptation towards death. He heard him in the place of saying, God, rescue me. God heard him. And what do we know that God did? What did God do when he heard Jesus? He let him die. He let him die. He heard him. But he let him die. He was with him all the way to the end. Jesus knew the story. Jesus, in humility and sinlessness, allowed God to do what he was, wanted to do because of the plan that God had, but he allowed him to die. Why do I say this? Sometimes in our suffering, God hears us. And he allows things to go forward with us. He's with us. Because he has ultimately our best in mind and the best of others. We have to trust him in our darkest moments when we don't understand. God is the only good, trust, he is trustworthy and good, maybe is the better way of saying it. And we can trust him even in our darkest moments. Jesus went all the way for you and me. And God allowed it to happen so that we could be saved. Last verse, Hebrews 4. So then, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, kind God, understanding, empathetic, good God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find his grace to help us when we need it most. Would you pray with me?
Jesus, thank you for the story of Joseph and this family of very human people whom you blessed. Thank you, how you, thank, thank you for the reminder that you use broken people to bless others, just like us. Thank you for this story of Joseph that reminds us of Jesus, that even though he was rejected, despised, forgotten, left for dead, you preserved his life so that he could be a blessing, not only for his family, but for thousands, hundreds of thousands of people not only in his life, but even more than that, after his life. Thank you, God. Thank you that this reminds us of you, Jesus, who is the Savior, the High Priest, the Eternal One, who intercedes for us, who died for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. That you understand my weakness and you have grace and mercy for me in our t- my time of need. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, I just pray right now that if there's anybody in this room that had, has not connected all the dots until this moment, if there's a place of revelation where you are opening their eyes and their heart to you right now, I pray that in these moments as we begin to worship here, that there would be a sweet surrender to you, a sweet acknowledgement, I can't do this without God. It makes sense now. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not a not, I'm not enough without you, Jesus. But in you, I, I, I believe that there's blessing. There's favor. There's relationship. There's eternity with you. So Lord, if there's anybody in this room or online that's watching that is in that place, I just want to say to you right now, wherever you are. Jesus in heaven blesses you. He blesses you. He wants to bless you. He's not wanting you to stay outside of his presence. He wants you in in the living room with him. He loves you. And he wants to bless you with eternal blessing, double portion blessing this morning. And all you have to do, Romans 9 says, or Romans says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, that he's God, and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. He wasn't just a human being, but that he's alive today. If you believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. So Father, would you give salvation right now? So if that's you, here, maybe sometime during worship or after the service, I'd love to talk to you and love to pray with you, answer any questions. If that's you online, reach out to us. We'd love to answer any questions you have. And then for the rest of us, before we stand, I just want to say this. If you're in this room and you're blessed by Jesus, worship him. Give thanks to him. And if you have a stirring in your heart like I did this week, open your heart up again and say, God, what else do you have for me? How do you want to bless me today? I believe that he will speak to you or he will minister to you in that place of openness. So would you stand up with me as we worship? Can you do that? Can you respond to Jesus? And we'll close out this time in worship and thanksgiving for his blessings. If you have a need, 
I'll say one last thing. If you have a need, there's a blessing, but you want somebody to agree with you in that. You'd love for somebody to pray with you about that. Brendan and I and others will be around if needed to pray with you. So if you have something that you would specifically say, I'm having a hard time receiving this or believing for this, or I have need for somebody to stand with me, we'll pray with you right now. God bless. Let's worship.